Hey guys, this is Drake. Thanks so much for tuning in to our City Church podcast here. It's an honor to have you. Hey, at the end of this episode, we'd love for you to take a moment, subscribe to this podcast channel if you haven't already. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel so we can continue to serve you with content that we're putting out on a weekly basis. And in addition, if we can serve you in any way or connect with you in community in any way, you can visit our website at citychurchboulder.com and we would love to connect with you there. And lastly and most importantly, I hope this content is helpful to you. It's encouraging, it's inspiring, and you leave better than you showed up. Enjoy. Hey City Church, it is so great to be with you here to worship together and hear from the Word of God. My name is Matt. I'm a pastor here in Boulder. And Drake, thank you for that awesome uh, intro that you gave me. Hey, know this, uh, the Well Church where I come from, we love you guys. We're, We're praying for you guys. We love the ministry that you have here in Boulder. Pastor Drake is a great pastor, and you you were honored to have him pastoring you. And, and so it, it really is my honor, it is my privilege to get to be here. And just let me say this before we dive into the passage here this morning. Um, man, I would encourage you to connect deeply here, because you're at a good church. You're at a solid church that loves Jesus, and that's extremely important, especially in a season that we find ourselves in with such high racial tensions and a global pandemic and all that comes with that. And and hear me on this, you need a local church. So if you're here at City Church, man, that's awesome. But guess what? Your neighbors need to be in a church too. So help them find a great church. Hey, like I said, I'm excited to be here and I'm excited to be here because I get to preach on a passage and a topic that I'm passionate about, the topic of parenting. Um, I, I have three kids of my own. I'm married to my wife, Ari. Um, I have three kids. And so I'm going to bring them into the story here in a minute. But before I get into that, let's get into the Word. And I want to read the passage that we're in here this morning. So if you have your Bible at home, you can open it to Colossians chapter 3. We're going to be in verses 20 through 21 mainly this morning. So let's go ahead and go to the Word of God and let's read what it has for us. It says this, Colossians 3, 20, verses 3, 20 through 21. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Now, there's a lot packed into there, but we'll we'll, we'll get into it more. To give you a little bit of perspective on my children that I have, um, I have three kids. My youngest, her name is Dottie. She is five years old. My middle, is his name is Wyatt, my, my one and only son, and he's seven. And then I have a, a, a 10-year-old daughter who's in fifth grade right now, which is kind of blowing my mind as I have a fifth grader now. But that, that does not make me a parenting expert. I'm sure there's some of you watching that are like, yeah, you're still a rookie. You got a lot to learn, and that's totally true. But I have been blessed to have a lot of awesome influence in my life from great parents, and I want to share some of that wisdom that they've given me over my life. Now, if you're sitting there thinking, this message does not apply to me. I do not have kids. Maybe you're even thinking, I don't even want kids. I understand that, and that's fine, but I would encourage you not to check out because there are good biblical truths that are here for you as well, and if you're going to be part of a community, the church, which I would encourage you to do, you're going to have to know how to interact with families, with kids, and so this is a discipleship issue for all of us, not just parents. So I'd encourage you not to check out if you're not a parent yourself. Regardless, though, on top of that, right, we're all children of somebody else. 
So how we understand biblical parenting and all this, it's going to speak to our story as well. So this just isn't a how-to message for those of you that do have kids on how to become better parents. This is a how-to message on how to handle your story and how your parents raised you and what the gospel has to say about that as well. And, and here's something I do know. I don't know many of you or really almost any of you because we're online, but it, it is good to be here. But I do know this about you. We all have a variation of backgrounds when it comes to our parents and our relationship to them and how they parented us. Some would speak highly of their relationship with their parents, right? Some of you would go, man, I was raised in an awesome Christian home where my parents loved me and cared for me. And let me, let me just commend that for a second because that is a good and right thing. I think a lot of times we can look at our background if you were raised really well in the church, parents loved you well, you can kind of think you have kind of a lame story because there's like, you don't have some story like I was doing crack and then I got saved. You're like, kind of like I was always, you know, just kind of a Christian and we were in the church and we loved the church and we loved Jesus. Man, praise God for that. So I want to encourage you. That's some of your stories. And man, praise God for that story of, of a great home that loved Jesus. Um, some would kind of be more in the middle of the road. They're kind of like, my, my parents are, are, are my parents. I love them. They love me. Um, we have our problems. And, you know, um, it, we have a funky family. But all in all, it's decent. And sometimes it's great. And sometimes it's not so good. So some of you find yourself there and you, as you relate to your parents. Others, though, would say this. Man, even trying to think about my childhood, thinking about my parents and their interaction with me, makes me almost sick. I, I, I get nervous. I get anxious. And, and, and hear me on that. I understand that probably more than you know. And, and I want you to know this, that this message here today hopefully shows you the reality that you have a heavenly father who does love you, despite maybe what your earthly father did or did not do. And so I know that we come from a wide variety of backgrounds. Now, as we talk about parenting, though, as, as, as Christians that want to love our kids and parent well, there might not be anything more terrifying than becoming a parent. And if you're like, I don't have kids, trust me, there is nothing scarier than being, becoming a parent. I, I'll never forget um, when my daughter Sophia was born. Um, we lived in Gunnison, Colorado at that time, and I was a pastor there. And, uh, and I remember we, we, we went to the hospital, M my wife delivered, my daughter, it was this amazing, miraculous moment. I mean, it was one of the most beautiful things I've ever been part of in my whole entire life. And so we're there, we, 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 we stay the night, right, and that whole entire thing. And then the next day, they're like, they come into the room and they go, okay, it's time to go. You have to understand this is kind of a rural hospital, so there's like two rooms, so you don't get to just hang out. They're like, time to go home, next person up. And I was like, just go home. They're like, oh yeah, you got to sign this piece of paper. And they hand you a piece of paper and you sign it. And they're like, good luck. And I remember thinking to myself, like, that's it? Like, nobody's coming with me. What if I'm bad at this? I was asking the nurse all this question. She's like, yeah, not my problem. You got to go. And I was like, I looked at her and I literally said, but I signed more paperwork when I bought a car than I did to take my kid home. This is confusing. And, and, and becoming a parent is kind of a confusing, weird thing. And, and it can be absolutely terrifying. And that's why we must have a strong biblical background, backbone of what it means to be a parent when it comes down to it. Because guess what? The world's not helping us a whole lot. 
The world's not helping us. You sign a piece of paper and you take the kid home and you're expected to figure it out. And I don't know about you, but for me, that was terrifying. On top of that, let me, let me share a couple things I'm not going to teach on because people always want me to teach on these topics when I bring this up. One, I am not going to teach on how you should educate your child formally. Okay, this is not a sermon on why homeschooling is better or public schools or private schools. I don't care what you do. Email Pastor Drake about that. He'll love to answer all your questions on why whatever choice you're making is probably wrong. But um, he, you, can, you can deal with him on that. This will not be a sermon about how to, on whether you should spank or not spank your child or the Bible says to use a rod. Does that mean I use a wooden spoon? I don't know. Don't care. Not covering it. Third, um, this sermon will not guarantee that your child will listen to you, even if you do everything in it. If you follow scripture perfectly, listen, I am not, this is a non-guaranteed sermon, but I will guarantee that you will know the gospel more and it will honor God more. So I'll give you that. But the Bible gives us so much in the area of parenting. So let's dive into it. Let's go back to our passage in Colossians, right? Children, obey your parents in everything. Parents love that line. Memory verse, put it on the wall, say every night before you go to bed, you just cut off the rest of it, right? But there's more, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Let me just say, it does say fathers, we'll go ahead and say fathers and mothers, so, so the, the moms in the room don't have to go, oh, I'm off the hook, it's up to you, dad. This is a team sport that we are playing here. But it says, children, obey your parents. Fathers, do not provoke your children. Here's what I'd like to do. Sometimes we like to take a text like this and go, look, my kids need to do what I say. The Bible says so. And to a point, you're, you're kind of correct. But you have responsibility as a parent in this as well. If you want your child to obey you and honor you, I would have you ask yourself a question real quick. And I can get away with this because this isn't my church right? I, I can press a little harder. Are you worthy of the obedience and honor that you're demanding? Does your life grant you that kind of obedience and honor from your children? Now, at a very baseline level, yes, because you are their parent. But when it comes to how the Christian lives, we, we should never look at the baseline. We're always looking to the maximum, right? It's, it's not like, yeah, my kid should obey me because the Bible says so, because the Bible has a deeper intention here. You see, Christians are not about just having life, right? They're not about just having life. They're about having life to what? The fullest. They're not just about having some happiness. They're about having joy. So in parenting, it's not just obey because I said so. It's obey because it honors God and it brings holiness into our home. The Spirit of God in us should lead us to say, I want my kids to obey what I say because they know the love that I have for them, not because of a grudging submission. Begrudging submission does not lead to a home or, or a child or a life that is filled with joy, right? Think about your relationship with Jesus. It's out of joy because of what he's done, because of his deep love for you. Not so that he will love you, that's religion, right? Religion teaches we obey so that we will be accepted, but Christianity and the gospel teaches we are accepted, therefore we obey. That principle lies at the heart of biblical parenting. 
God could look at us and say, you should obey me because I'm God and I made you. And he would be justified and right to do that. But he doesn't do that. He gives us an example of how the heavenly father loves his children. And we're to follow that. How how does God do that, right? He makes, what would he do? He makes promises to never leave his disobedient children. He doesn't leave you when you're disobedient. He delivers his children from death from time and time again. He punishes his children. Now listen to me. At times, so that we can see the depths of our sin and experience the grace and forgiveness that's found in the cross of Christ. He sacrifices for his children. He keeps his promises. He lavishes love on his children. He welcomes his children back to himself time and time again when they run away. You see, he doesn't just demand obedience, which he does, but he cultivates obedience in us through his great love for us. Does our children's obedience lead them to the gospel? Like our obedience to God does. Our children need to know this, that mommy and daddy are more for them than they could ever be for themselves. That that, that when mommy and daddy say, you need to do this. It's not because they want to rob them of joy or get them out of the way or whatever that might be. It's they're saying it because they want to bring more joy into their lives than the kid knows themselves. Let's be honest though. Any of us with kids? We all want obedient children that honor us, right? Nobody's like, I don't really care what my kids do. Nobody says that. And that's a good thing. I've never seen a home function well where parents don't care about this, right? I've seen homes where honor and respect, though, existed because parents took to heart how God pursues them. It's interesting that the Apostle Paul basically repeats himself with what he says in Colossians in the book of Ephesians. And any, I'll, I'll give you a little Bible reading tip. Anytime the Bible repeats itself, you, you should probably pay attention to it, okay? You should pay attention to it if it's repeating itself because it's a point that God wants you to hear. And so the Apostle Paul repeats himself in, in the book of Ephesians chapter 6, but he kind of expands on what he has already said. Ephesians 6, 4 says this, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now, in that little passage, Paul gives us three guides for biblical parenting. You ready? Here's what they are. Do not provoke your children to anger. I like that it says your, because apparently it's okay for us to provoke other people's children to anger. Right? Like, so you can go ahead and mess with other people's kids, but don't provoke your own children to anger. He tells them to use discipline and to instruct them. Right? Don't provoke. Discipline instruct. That's what Paul's saying, which is funny because Paul's a single dude and he's giving parenting advice, right? So single people, if you're going, man, I don't know, right? Like apparently you can help out in the parenting department as well, right? This really shouldn't be shocking, but, but it is amazing how often we see these things ignored though, right? And why do we see these things ignored? Don't provoke, discipline, instruct. Why don't we see these three things done? Or why don't we do them? Or why don't I do them? Here's why. 
it's hard. <laughs> That's it. It's really hard work. Instruction takes time. Discipline is confusing at times for kids, right? I've got, like, like I've got a, my oldest, man, I would, when she was like younger, man, we'd have to be on her so hard to get her to stop doing things that were just ruining certain situations and we're hard on ourselves. My youngest daughter, all I have to do is look at her bad and she breaks down in tears. How, how you discipline, right? It's a hard thing to figure out. We don't know exactly how to do that all the time. It's difficult work. It's confusing. And it's really hard not to provoke your kid to anger, especially when they're being ridiculous. If you know me at all, I'm, I'm, I like to tease and play a little bit. And sometimes I push my kids too far or I tease them in a way that's not helpful in the moment. And we're not called to do that. And there's no simple plug-and-play answer to parenting, right? This work is marked by forbearance. This is years of failure in the right direction. This is humility. This is patience. This is love. That's what parenting is. To, to train a child up in the Lord is one of the most difficult things a husband and wife can do. But it's also the most joyful. I always think of it like this. My wife was so amazing when she was pregnant with all three of our kids. I was so blown away by her strength and her grace and all that came with that. I was so blown away. And I always think of this. Parenting's like a woman who is pregnant in many respects. You see, there's moments where it, it's joyful and fun when you feel the baby kick for the first time or you get to go hear the ultrasound, you hear the heartbeat and all of those things, right? And, and, and it's beautiful and it's fun. There's also nights of no sleep there's difficult times that the ladies go through this, and trust me, I'm not speaking as the one who went through it. I'm just sharing what my wife shared with me, right? There's days of literal sickness, and you go through this crazy nine months, roughly, right, of all this stuff, and then at the end, you get to hold the baby, and it's like God plays a trick on us, right? Where it's so beautiful, it's so miraculous. After all of that, you look at each other and you go, we should do this again, Right? That's what parenting's like. It's all of the ups and downs. It's all of those things. But we all pray and hope that someday our kids love the Lord and we get to do things like walk them down the aisle and see them graduate from high school or college and get married and all of those things. And we long for those moments because there's so many downs, but there's so many amazing ups. All that to say, parenting is a wild ride. You have good days. And you have bad days. Now, let me encourage you a little bit. Let's look at these three things that Paul tells us to do as parents. And what Paul instructs us to do as parents. One is this. Don't provoke to anger. Go back to Colossians chapter 3. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Let's talk about this for a second. When we provoke our children to anger, this is just getting practical, right? When we provoke our children to anger, it leads ultimately to discouragement. We do not want to have discouraged children. If we provoke our children, if we push them to anger, if we yell at them out of turn, things like that, it, it leads to a discouraged child. I, I get to help coach Little League here in Boulder. 
And I can tell you, a discouraged kid, even on the baseball field, is just done, right? They're sad. It, it, it really hurts my heart when I see a kid who's just utterly discouraged playing baseball, right? We are not to discourage our kids. Paul in, in, engages anger here because there's nothing that will ruin a home faster than anger that's out of control, right? If, if we're provoking our kids, we're probably doing it out of anger. Not all the time, but probably, right? And Paul engages this in Ephesians 4, verses 26 through 27. He says, be angry and do not sin. So if, you're, if you can do that, you're welcome to be angry, but you're a better man or woman than, than, than I could ever be. And then he says, do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. We are not to be angry in our homes. I, I want to read you a quote from Pastor John Piper about anger. And I just want you to listen. Just take a minute, absorb it, and just think through how anger could affect the home. Listen to what he says. My guess is that anger is a worse enemy than lust. It also destroys other kinds of, uh, of companionship. Some people have more anger than they think because it has disguises. When willpower hinders rage, anger smolders beneath the surface. And the teeth of the soul grind with frustration. It can come out in tears that look more like hurt. But the heart has learned that this may be the only way to hurt back. It may come out as silence because we have resolved not to fight. It may show up in picky criticism and relentless correction. It may strike out at persons that have nothing to do with its origin. It will often feel warranted by the wrongness of the cause. Let me submit something to you parents. If you're responding in anger to your kids, you're probably provoking your children. And I, I, would, I would guess something. A lot of times the anger that your kids are seeing has very little to do with them, but has more to do with you. Let me encourage you with this. Your kids are allowed to have a bad day too. I think we can forget that. They can have a bad day too. So don't let your anger come out. Because nothing will affect your ability to make a coherent and loving thought like, air, like, like anger. Nothing will get in the way more than that, right? I would, I, would, I, would, I would guess that almost every crazy bad decision you have made has come out of anger. Right? So maybe check our heart. Anger drives us as parents to yell things at our children, like this. What are you thinking? What's wrong with you? That's pretty hurtful to a kid. I've done it. So I'm not saying that to condemn you. I'm saying the truth is, is this. We know what's wrong with them. It's the same thing that's wrong with us. Sin. Right? They're broken sinners. We're broken sinners. They're just smaller ones that have more energy than us, right? And we have to remember that, that we do know what's wrong with them. But we also know the God that loves us and loves them unconditionally. So what are we to do? Well, that could be a sermon in itself, but let me just give you a couple of points here to help you out. 
One is this. I wish I could say I do this all the time, but I don't. I try my best. Is I would encourage you, if you are parenting, to preach the gospel to yourself daily. You need to be reminded of the grace of God in your life. You've got to remember the goodness of the blessings that Christ has given you. Thankful hearts, right? You must be reminding yourself of the sacrifice of Jesus. Listen, because if you don't, parenting is too hard apart from the gospel. I'm convinced of that. If we are to not provoke our children to anger, we must know how to put sin and anger to death. Right? And that's only found in preaching the gospel to ourselves. Second thing, really practical, I would encourage some of you to soften your demeanor around your children. And that's only going to happen through the gospel, so we have to have that one first. But I would encourage you to soften your demeanor. If you go through the book of Proverbs, and specifically chapter 4, you hear words like, hear, O sons, or hear, my son, and accept my words. The, the, the tone of the author of Proverbs is soft and welcoming. Maybe wake up and remember the soft demeanor words of grace that God invites you to embrace the day with, and then you get to go embrace your kids with those soft words, even though they've already been awake for three hours, and they were awake three hours before that. Right? Especially if you have little ones. And the last one is this. Discipline them and instruct them. I, I put these together because I think it's important to put them together. And I want you to hear me on this last point that I'm trying to make because I think we can get them backwards. A lot of times what we'll try to do is we'll try to discipline, then instruct. Let me reshape that for you. You should never discipline your child for something you haven't instructed them about. You must do the work of instructing your child so that you can then discipline them when they have not followed the instruction. Several years ago, I remember my, my, my son Wyatt was one years old, and we were walking down Pearl Street Mall, and we got to the intersection where Broadway was, and he was right at that age where he could walk, but he did not want to hold my hand at all. Like, I was like, buddy, you have to hold my hand. Buddy, you have to hold my hand. And he tried to rip his hand away. And then he ripped my hand, his hand away, and he ran towards the road. Well, I snatched him up, and I grabbed him, and he didn't like that. But I didn't like pull down his pants and spank him right there and be like, What's wrong with you? Don't you understand that that will kill you? No, he did, he's one. He didn't understand that. You see, my, my job in that moment is to begin to instruct him as to what will hurt him. But over time, now if he's seven and he does that, there needs to be some discipline if he doesn't listen. We need to instruct and then we discipline. What does the discipline we are giving our children provide? Because some of us kind of believe in this weird, bolder, free-range parenting. Like, just don't tell your kids what to do. You might hurt their feelings. You need to hurt those kids' feelings sometimes, I'm telling you. Okay? That's okay. Let me free you up to that. And you're like, he sounds mean. Don't worry. You don't go to my church. You're fine. Right? Um, but, but I would encourage you that you need to discipline your children. Proverbs 29.17 says this. Help us out. It, it says this. Discipline your son, and he will give you rest. He will give you the delight of your heart. You see, discipline, biblical discipline, breeds rest. It breeds rest. 
And this always doesn't go well, I promise, at the beginning. There's no guarantee that everything's going to work out and that you're going to have the most God-honoring family in the world if you do all the things that we just talked about. Sometimes, here's the truth, it doesn't matter how much you, as a parent, instruct and discipline well. Right? We've all been there. My kids are great kids. I have been in the grocery store and they have broken down and screamed where I've had to walk out of the store because I couldn't control them. Okay? There was some discipline that followed, but I've been there. It's hard, right? And sometimes you can't control it. And you must remember that despite our best efforts, this truth is true, that we are not the ones that save the souls of our children. Our job is to be obedient to God and what he's called us to be as parents to the best of our ability, trusting his grace, praying to him, and trusting the power of the Holy Spirit to help us out. But listen, friends, it is not up to you whether or not your child ultimately follows Jesus. And that's scary, but it's also relieving because he is sovereign and he is good. So we must lay our heads down at night on our pillows and trust that God loves our children more than we love our children. Being a parent's humbling, but it's good. And this is what draws us into that place where we kneel beside their bed at night and we pray for them. We dream for them. And we hope for them. And we cry with them. And we laugh with them. It's beautiful, but it's hard. Biblical parenting, though, is more than just this present moment that we have our, with our kids. It's more than just this present moment. You see, the reason this also matters is because this is a legacy moment. It's a legacy. We are building this into our children. Do you know what my greatest hope is for, for my kids when I'm long gone? I want them to be able to say, my dad was not perfect, but he loved Jesus a lot. That's my hope. For my, for my kids. And I hope that my kids have the same desire for their kids. Dads and moms, listen. No one here expects you to be perfect. Perfectionism is not the goal of parenting. But worshiping and glorifying God in it is. And isn't that the gospel at its root? Right? That, that, that perfectionism is not what Jesus asked for. He asked for humble, contrite hearts that come to him. And, and if you're watching and maybe you're thinking about all of this, and maybe this idea of a heavenly father is, is enticing to you, and I, I pray that it is, that, that right now you, you would see that Jesus does not require perfect people. He requires needy people who need him. So whether that's you that's a parent that just needs help, this is your opportunity to call on God. Or if you're sitting at home and you don't know God, this is your opportunity to call on Him and just pray, Lord, I need you. And He promises that He will come and He will eat with you. He will dine with you. He will be with you. He will commune with you. 
but he does not expect perfection. So husbands, man, I want to encourage you. City church, husbands, fathers, I want you to be bold men that love Jesus well, that reject passivity and accept the responsibility of fatherhood that God has put on you. It is your call. And what an honor it is. And mothers, man, the unsung heroes of so many families. I want to encourage you to the call that you have on your life. That the baby that you carried, that that you birthed, is a miracle. And that it is a testimony of the love of God. And so honor that. Love that. Know that even in the hard moments that God loves you and He is with you. And I would encourage you to to, to try to support your husband, not in some weird way that doesn't have a voice or anything like that. That's not what I'm saying. But one that comes with soft, kind words. And as the husbands try to lead as Jesus led, may that unit come together in a beautiful way so that children know that their parents love God first. That's my hope for you. That your home represents the love of Jesus. So let me give you a couple action steps here this week. Let me give you a few things to take with you. And one is this. Parents, I want to encourage you, let go of your perfectionism. Your kids are a mess. Your house is a mess. Whatever it might be. Let go of that perfectionism. Your kids They need your presence over your perfection. And I would bet that perfection gets in the way of your presence with them. So this week, increase your presence with Jesus so that you might increase your presence with your children as you release perfectionism. Two, for those of you without kids, I hope this blessed you, but but here's something I want to encourage you with. Maybe ask yourself this question. How can you... Be a blessing to children or parents around you. I I love that Jesus was a single guy. That he said, let the children come to me. May those of you without kids, or maybe you don't have kids because of a circumstance and that breaks your heart. And I I, I pray for you and, and I hope that you can have a heart that can receive families and kids in a way that you can be a blessing to your church. Man, I love you guys. It's been so great to be here with you. I know that you guys are going to do great work. And these kids from City Church, they're going to go forward. They're going to love Jesus. And they're going to remember this time when their parents helped plant a church. How cool is that? Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for your sovereign hand that is in control over every circumstance, every situation, every child, every father, every mother, every home. Every single person. Every person that's not even sure where the relationship is with other people. All of that, that you hold that. And in the midst of all of that craziness, you say, you all are my children. And you are welcome in this home. Come, dine with me. And know that I love you. God, may we remember that. May we be moved by that. Holy Spirit, awaken our hearts to that reality. It's in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit that I pray these things. Amen.